this time in episode 444 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 6 episode, Just Jen. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. I'm Special Counsel Anthony. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen, both big and small, by Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Sunday, September 25th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast weddings wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch it, we love talking about Marvel. Because of crushing wedding crashers. If you'd like to talk to us about crushing wedding crashers, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. If you have a good story about the time you got to crush a wedding crasher, leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you were the wedding crasher, you can tell us all about it on our Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash gonna geek. If you want to commiserate with lots of other people who really hate wedding crashers and want to go crush the mess out of all of them, you can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. We should have had a cameo by Owen Wilson in here. You know, just straight out of Loki, just straight out of the alternate universe, just bam, into the wedding, and then boom, he's gone. We should have had that. They missed the wedding crasher crossover. Wow. Thank you for saying it before I did. There you go. Yes, we are going to be talking about She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And this episode, like I said last time, is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little less lightly or a little more lightly edited, a little less edited. And that's just due to the fact that we're recording a little late and I don't have time and I want to get this one out. So just as a warning, but we will be back on track next week. We'll be recording at our normal time. And you'll have your nice polished episode and we'll have some news all the way back to D21. In the meantime, you guys ready to talk about She-Hulk? Yep. Mm-hmm. You mean D23? Next week. But right now we're talking about She-Hulk. Yeah, but you said D21 earlier. You said D21. He's- oh, yeah. Well, see, you guys need to keep me straight. Let's talk about D23 next Saturday. In the meantime, you guys ready to talk about She-Hulk? I do. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's proceed. She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Episode 6, premiered on Disney Plus Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. 
The episode was titled Just Jen. The IMDb description reads, Jen is a bridesmaid in a friend's wedding, a stressful event compounded by uniquely She-Hulk issues, or as we heard, shulky issues in the episode. Lauren, who directed the episode? This episode was directed by Anu Valia, who has 25 directing credits starting in 2011, including three of Above Average Presents, two of Mixed-ish, two of Robbie, one of Love, Victor, three of Never Have I Ever, two of And Just Like That, and three of She-Hulk. And Michelle, who wrote the episode? This episode was written by Kara Brown, has four writing credits starting in 2018, including one Grownish, one In the Dark, one Sneakerhead, and this episode of She-Hulk. And unless I've missed something between last week and this week, Jessica Gao is still the She-Hulk attorney at law showrunner. So every week we run down a synopsis. This is unique to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. because we're the only one that does this synopsis. And one of us puts it together. Michelle has been doing an excellent job. And she's just going to start off reading this synopsis. Jen receives an invitation to be a bridesmaid via a glitter bomb. At least Jen gets to wear a dress designed by Luke to the rehearsal dinner. Jen lets us know that this episode, like weddings, happen at inconvenient times. Jen shows up as She-Hulk, but the bride, Lulu, has a point. No one should take the attention away from the bride. Jen promises to be just Jen at the wedding, thus the title. Jen's accused of making things about herself when Titania shows up at the rehearsal dinner. Jen claims Titania is there to kill her. Titania claims she's just a plus one. In the meantime, Mallory and Nikki have been assigned a fascinating case. Craig Hollis, a.k.a. Mr. Immortal, doesn't like confrontation, so he pretends to kill himself instead of having a conversation. Eight ex-spouses are suing him for child support, lost income, fraud, a New Orleans jazz funeral. They learned about his behavior from a website called Intelligentsia. Mallory lectures Mr. Immortal and tells him He's lucky his exes aren't filing criminal charges. At the reception, DJed by the wonderful Incheddable Hulk, Jen pays to get hammered. Jen dances, leaves Bruce a message, and flirts with Josh. Jen goes outside to vomit and gets sucker punched by Titania. Jen's too drunk to turn. Titania laments that She-Hulk is drawing attention away from her to Jen, someone who doesn't want or deserve to have powers. Jen finally turns. And Chet announces that they have a wedding fight. She-Hulk gets a few good hits in, but Titania is taken out by Vanity because a fall knocked out her veneers. Sober Lulu didn't want She-Hulk, but drunk Lulu's a big fan. Incredible Hulk. So Nikki impresses Mallory by creating unique settlements for Mr. Immortal's exes, including a sincere apology with not 15, but 20 seconds of meaningful eye contact. Later, Nikki learns that Mallory is married and has a kid. They create an account on the Intelligentsia site and learn about the death threats people are making against She-Hulk. Nikki goes against Mallory's wishes by telling Jen what they found on the website. Jen and Josh share fries. The scene changes to a computer screen with Jen's information. We see someone put a bigger, better needle in a case. With holes in it. I mean, this, is, this needle is so big, it's, it needs like breathers on the side. <sighs> I would hate to have that shoved into me. 
All right. We're going to talk about first thoughts of the episode. Anthony, we're going to defer to you first this time. I object to this episode for a lack of relevance, and I move that it be stricken from the record. Is it sustained or which one do you agree when you when you object and you agree? So if an objection is upheld, um, it's sustained. Sustained. So this episode was fun, but it was a little bit of a plot slowdown. That said, I absolutely loved the Mallory and Nikki sections, and it was fun watching Tatiana Maslany just hang out at a wedding as an unhappy bridesmaid. Oh, come on. This is just a fun character-building episode, and it shows the animosity that Titania has for She-Hulk and the really not caring at all that she has for Jen outside of the fact that eventually she'll turn into She-Hulk. We need to talk about wedding planning issues because, you know, I was involved in a wedding last year. I'm just saying post-pandemic weddings aren't easy to find a date or a venue. So this Wednesday, Thursday wedding thing, is totally okay in 2022. I don't know when it's not going to be okay, but it's okay in 2022. And I get the whole kind of, it's not destination wedding, but location uh, wedding with the the barn or the shed or something like that. Because, yeah, it happens a lot. That's kind of what the wedding I was involved in last year was with my daughter. All right. That's what I think of the episode. Let's talk about the specific issues with the episode because there are a ton. We're going to start out by something the episode brought forward, and I don't think it was a mistake, about the issues of what others think you should be, and specifically, Lauren, you have some thoughts on that. Okay, I know every episode since the show started, I come here like, this is a trans metaphor, but it continues. There's, you can, okay, on the MIV a-hole community on Reddit, People are always asking questions about weddings and was I wrong to act like this? And there was a lot. There's a lot. There's at least like once a week, I would say, of somebody who's trans and their family member asks them, hey, will you present as, you know, whatever uh, that they are not currently? Because I don't want you to upstage the bride at the wedding. So it's a lot of don't be yourself. Be the version of yourself people are used to because nobody upstages. Okay, as a former bride, I just wanted the day. I, I just wanted it to go nice. I wanted to see my friends and family. I wanted to get married. That was it. I recognize that I am not a typical quote unquote bride. Hell, there was an issue with mine actually where so our wedding colors were maroon and gold. And my best friend sent me a picture. I was like, hey, is this dress okay? And it was a like a white dress with like big gold stripes on it. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. And apparently some some people at the wedding were like, why are you wearing white? And she's like, the bride said I could. Well, if you would have told me your wedding colors were maroon and gold, I would have gone in my golden gopher hockey outfit from college. Sadly, I did not know you when I got married. <laughs> Fair enough. Jen does go to the rehearsal dinner as She-Hulk, true, but she makes an entrance of it. And after the interaction with Lulu, she does turn to the camera and is like, you didn't expect me to come. It's Jen, did you? I mean, come on. 
I can understand that she's she is having the am I she hawk in a separate gen? Am I she hawk and gen? I do like how it is going through identity questions. Now we have Josh who says, you know, Jen is great and seems like to like She-Hulk. And we've talked about how, you know, wanting someone to like all of you and everything. I've just, look, there are certain shows that you just need to turn off your brain and you're glad they exist. One of them for me being to say yes to the dress. And there have been so many episodes where you've got the uh, bridesmaid from hell who actually is trying to live their wedding fantasies vicariously through their friend. And they are like, no, I want the separate dress. And they just, it, it's just, um, it's awful for the bride to feel for the bride. But you just, I'm just sitting on the couch eating popcorn like, ooh, this is good. This is some good drama. So it's weird. There's a lot of wedding etiquette I do not agree with in this. But I, we are talking about identity first. Let's talk about the identity first. Did she make an entrance out of it, though? Because she just showed up in a dress looking nice, which, exactly, according to it. some people, is making an entrance. I see so many AITA posts that are, I was prettier than the bride and people were focusing on me. The bride kept asking me to dye my hair. The bride asked me to cut my hair. The bride asked me to grow my hair out. The bride asked me to wear a dress that's deliberately several sizes smaller than I am. The bride, it, it just, it never ends. There's just, oh my God, I am, my goal in life is to never have to actually be a participant in a wedding again. I mean, bridesmaids, you know, damas, whatever, but I, I don't want to plan a wedding ever again. I don't like that Lulu said she should just should turn back as Jen just because, you, you know, Jen come, coming to She-Hulk, yes. And Lulu, Lulu yelling at her, you took attention away from me. Okay, Bridezilla moment. I don't think she had the right to tell Jen to be Jen or be She-Hulk. I think after that moment, because there's even a, you know, a, it's weird because then Titania comes along and there's not that exchange. But Again, Lulu has this preconceived notion because she thought she was inviting her loser friend from school so she can walk down the aisle with the leaky dog and none of her actual friends had to. So that part, that part I don't agree with. Okay, so here I do want to clarify. Jen, yes, made an entrance. Go, girl. Lulu going, you can't be like that. I want you just as Jen. And you can't be She-Hawk at all. That I don't agree with. That dog thing real quick. Again, from watching wedding train crashes. I like to watch 90 Day Fiance. There was a season, actually, it was, they're probably one of the better adjusted couples on the show. It was a gay wedding between a guy from Florida and a guy from Mexico. And they're, they walk down with the guys from Mexico's daughter and the guy from Florida's dog, who is like 18 years old, looked a lot like the dog on there. And a podcast I listen to keeps saying, like, that dog's been dead for 20 years, and they just keep dragging it out. It wasn't just the dog. It was the iron the shirts. It was the clean up because I've scared off the uh, all the the staff. It was everything to... 
help out all the crap jobs basically that go with a wedding. How do you mess up your shirts collectively playing Mario Kart? Now, now I am a longtime gamer. I have played every iteration of Mario Kart. I've, I've, you know, gotten intense about it. I've never ruined clothing over it. Wedding clothes, the rental wedding tuxes, they're so, it's, you can ruin them. They're so threadbare in some cases and just not cleaned right and stuff like that. I can kind of see where that was coming there, especially if they're actually in esports, like they're being physical about it and not just like playing. When you play Mario Kart, do you play with other people sitting next to you or is it just you in front of the TV? I mean, it depends. I've played you know, multiplayer going back to the GameCube and Double Dash and N64 and all that. Like, I've definitely been in a room with three other people. I've, I've, I've thrown bows in a you know, shirt and trying to block screens. I've been hit with a Nintendo controller over Mario Kart. But from your, were your sister? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> oh, my sister and I talk trash. Like, we love each other dearly. You would not know that if you listen to us talking to each other while we're playing video games. But yeah, they didn't want another bridesmaid. They wanted unpaid, like an unpaid servant, basically. Yeah, Jen was invited solely to be the lackey, solely to be the point of embarrassment because Lulu was like, oh, you think you're hot bleep as She-Hulk? I'm going to make you the the lowest of the low. I'm going to make you carry this world's ugliest dog contender and i'm gonna make you do all the work and oh the the cleaning staff quit because they didn't like how i was treating them you don't say that there's a post for aita (laughs) dear reddit am i the bad person for leaving the wedding because my friend just invited me to be a bridesmaid so i could be there to do all the crap jobs no you're not just this whole episode, I was just yeah, writing Jen in my mind NTA is AITA posts. What about the glitter bomb for the invitation? That's, you know, it's uh, not good. That is a sin. I knew Lulu was an awful person right from the get-go. You send someone anything by glitter. You, you just don't. Glitter is worse than sand. It just... Not only does it get everywhere, but it's also like not biodegradable. Like we're going to be finding glitter a hundred million years from now or something. It's just, it, it's just glitter. And you don't, you don't do that. It's wrong. It's just so wrong. So here's a question for you all. Patty Harrison, who played Lulu, does she have a career after this or is she, her career ruined because she played the Bridezilla so well? Oh, There's she's hilarious. She was in, she was in, um, I think you should leave. She's she's been in a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, she she'll be fine with this. Okay. Plus, I mean, showing some range. I've recently started listening to a podcast called uh, "Were You Raised by Wolves," and it's all about being polite and everything, and just a lot of people writing in and hey, is this the polite thing to do in this situation? What are you supposed to do? And they talked about glitter one time. And the consensus is that not only is glitter the herpes of the craft world, it is also extremely rude because you're making somebody else clean up a mess because you have the glitter popping up and they don't even know it's coming. The only acceptable use of glitter bombs 
is Amazon Porch Pirates. I was just going to say that Amazon Porch Pirates. That's a great use of glitter. If you're going to steal stuff off my porch, you're going to get glitterified with glue. You know, <laughs> glitter goes out and then glue and then. Or horrible <laughs> politicians. Mm. I have a long list. <laughs> a okay. long, long list. Okay. While well, all this is going on back at the law firm, because that B story is still ongoing. Mallory and Nikki are dealing with Mr. Immortal, which I had no background on until I looked in the show notes. And Lauren, you have some background on Mr. Immortal. Okay. So I was like, this name is familiar. Why is this? First of all, the actor was familiar. He was in Veep as Selena Myers' husband and in Book of Boba Fett slash Mandalorian as uh, the major domo. He's a Twi'lek in that one. Anyway. So I was like, okay, why do I know the name Mr. Immortal? I check. He was the leader of the West Coast Avengers for a while, which was a team that She-Hulk was a part of at various points in time. I'm not huge on West Coast Avengers lore, but Squirrel Girl was also on that team. So uh, I'm going to check it out at some point. Point point of clarification, uh, Mr. Immortal was uh, head of the Great Lakes Avengers, not the West Coast Avengers. West Coast Thank Avengers you. was a, I wrote that wrong. Was a legitimate team. Uh, the GLA was entirely a yeah, joke. Great Lakes Avengers was the one Squirrel Girl, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, West Coast Avengers was, was Hawkeye, Rhodey, Moon Knight, Tigra, a whole host of legitimate characters the gla is what mr immortal was in charge of just for clarification yeah i my brain don't work well since we have anthony here who's our special counsel let's ask him about the legalities of the event that mallory and nikki were overseeing very well where do i begin so I mean, I just, as, a, as an attorney watching this entire settlement conference, none of the wives had representation. So that right there is something that, that just was raising all kinds of ethical red flags. And then more to the point, say what you will about the right to counsel, say what you will about Craig Hollis and Mr. Immortal and how he misled all of these women, and you can only imagine this is only eight that are alive now, as opposed to, you know, however many millennia that he's been alive. He has the right to counsel to represent his interests, not the interests of the women that he wronged. And it is incredibly unethical as an attorney to turn around and advocate for the people that are suing your client, that is, that is a, a breach of your duty. He had every right to fire them. The fact that he yeeted himself out the window, uh, I think, spoke volumes. And the fact that he was just like, nope, I don't want to deal with this. And it was, it was played for comedy. And I understand feminism and, and yada, yada, yada. But that's just from, from a legal standpoint, I was watching this going, no, man. I mean, never mind the fact that this is in no way, shape, or form the Mr. Immortal that I know and have read in the comics, because again, he is a bit of a joke character, but he does have an ethos to him, and he has actually saved the world. He talked some other immortal character into committing suicide. It was basically a suicide pact, and he was like, I'll go first. And then the other guy 
blew themselves up and then Craig regenerated and was able to uh, save the world. So Craig Hollis in the comics is a hero. I don't know who this sleazeball is. And more importantly, neither Mallory nor Nikki were, were conducting themselves in any ethical regard whatsoever during the settlement conference. This whole thing was just so many alarms going off in my head as, as a lawyer watching this. I feel you, especially when any show gets into technical details and I'm like, well, that's not how rocket science actually works. I get it. I was enjoying the way that Nikki took charge of the situation and was getting everybody kind of what they wanted without representation. I think without the lawyer, the extra lawyers there, it might've been just too many people in a scene, or it might've been COVID related restrictions on how many actors they could have on set or both. Maybe. I don't know. Well then cut down the number of wives. I mean, I think you could have still easily told that story with five wives and then give everybody an attorney or four wives and give everybody an attorney. And then at least the the, the attorneys, you, you could have still told the joke. It still would have been funny and come to the very similar conclusion and not just completely disregard the practice of law. That's, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it has to be perfect. I'm not saying it has to be to the letter, but they just completely disregarded it just so they could have their, their girl power moment. And I'm, I'm all for the feminism. I love the show in general, but this episode, it's just. I, I do agree because part of me was like, oh, yeah, they're getting a better like, But they're their lawyers. They're his lawyers. I have a legal question. Every time he dies, does he die? Because he he also had like the multiple identities. Because he knows he's immortal, he fakes his death. But because he kept saying, I die, but then I don't die. Is that like a legal gray area that he's swimming in? I don't think so from that perspective, because we hear stories all the time. It happens in regular life that folks medically die. They code on. I mean, I had a friend. Uh, had surgery he coded twice on the table he was you know dead so to speak but he was resuscitated we hear stories like that all the time if you're dead for you know a certain period of time it has to be obviously a very short period of time that that you're you're dead but it happens i mean our bodies are really just meat bags surrounding bones that are run by electrical impulses so if anything goes wrong there it's possible to restart the engine so to speak, but I don't think that there's anything legally that would indicate um, that if he dies, then he starts a new identity, whatever. He's temporarily dead. I mean, he fell out of the window. He was dead, what, three seconds? Yeah, Nick Gage was dead for seven minutes after the tournament of death, and he still is back and kicking and slicing people's heads open with pizza cutters on TV. Thank you, Lauren, for bringing in the wrestling. I mean... I know it's what you do. I can't stop myself. All right. So while this is ongoing, we have issues going on at the wedding. We have Titania, who's finally making her move on Jen. And poor Jen, she's so drunk, she can't turn. And finally is able to get her wits about her. And we have a wedding fight. So there was a fight in this episode. I'm a little dissatisfied with it, but there was a fight. Too short. 
Yeah. But it was, I will admit, it was fun to see the whole, oh, she's here just to, just to get at me. Oh, Jen, you're being paranoid. And no, it was the whole time. It was, yeah. I don't know. There, there was an element of that. I like the interplay between them. But yeah, the fight could have been longer and better choreographed. In Lauren's speak, it was a, it was a squash. Yes. A literal squash match. Yeah. My question is, she, her teeth are fine when she gets punched in the face, but she falls on ice and that's what causes the black eye and losing the veneers. I'm sorry, what? Well, no, ground is hard. That whole thing just, I loved in the post-credits little courtroom sketches where we see her getting her teeth fixed. Afterwards, yeah. Yeah, but again, just uh, there's no consistency. It's again, you know, the punch is like, and they go with the slow mo, the lip goes sideways and stuff like that. Also, the vendor that got hit with the flying body, like he, he did, or he should be dead. But again, you know, the punch to the face, now she's fine. She slips on the ice, that messes her up. Punch to the face loosens it up, and then the ice finishes the job. I mean, that's something that I see all the time. Yeah, it's unscrewing a pickle jar, except it's her teeth. You kind of get the feeling that Kevin Feige was a little hands-off with this series. Because the consistency, the tie-ins, it's just it, it's there, but it's not there. It's very loose. And I wish that some of these episodes could have been longer. This was like 25 minutes. The other one was also 20 some odd minutes. I would have liked to have seen more of the development of the rivalry between She-Hulk and Titania, especially from Titania's point of view. I still have no idea why she is an influencer. I still don't understand her powers from, again, there's, we shouldn't have to do research in order to enjoy the show. I'm taking it from the TV show point of view. In the TV show, it's just Titania is someone who can throw punches and is pretty. And that's why I'm just trying to figure out, like, why was she in court? I still have no idea what she was charged with. What did she get away with? I still don't know. And this fight being so short, that's another thing. It's just like, this has not been my favorite episode. We're at episode six, two thirds of the way through. We have three episodes left. And I have no idea how long they're going to make be, but we're like two thirds of the way through the movie. So we should be at a point where we understand what's going on. I think, I think I understand what's going on. And the whole plot of this whole thing was trying to get blood from Jen, right? So we see that scene at the end. I think, and let's talk about it right now. I think Josh has been implanted to make that happen. That is completely what I thought. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, He's buttering her up so he can maybe not stab though. her with the giant needle. He's too good to be true. See, this is, I'm so tired of this trope. I'm just, there's just, I'm tired of certain color by numbers. Marvel's been doing this for, dear God, 14 years, something like that. We, we, we can throw away the coloring book. You're MCU. You, you should be above this. It should be more than that. 
And this whole obvious, I'm just too good after the dreamy guy was a bleep. I'm just like, I put it in the notes. I really hope it's not the obvious thing. I would like it if it's like, yeah, Josh is a red. Is his name Josh? I think his name's Josh. Yes. Anyway, hot guy. I'd really like if he's a red herring and it's some like, I don't know. What if there's like a, I want there to be like a background character that's been in every episode that we haven't noticed because they're in the background. It's not going to happen. But on the whole, I think the strength of this, the strength of this series for me is that it's, it's fun. It's irreverent. It's, we're not dealing with, you know, universe ending consequences. It's just, okay, well, this guy has superpowers and he's being annoying with it and we need to actually adjust life to this. And we're getting some of that, not as much as I would like, but can't have everything. This episode, while it did achieve the, the goal of being, it, for me at least, fun, also really showed that it's trying to be two different things. It's trying to be that fun show and it's trying to have the through line but it's there's not enough time dedicated to it. The thing with Josh here specifically is they're not showing definitively one way or another whether he's involved in the plot or if he just happens to be sitting at the table with Jen. And I mean, I like the mystery, but also there are so many we even outside of the Marvel shows here, you have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Grant Ward. Oh, yeah, he's bad. You have everything else that Marvel has done, and oh, yeah, this good person is bad. Or this bad person is actually good, going the other way. I want to see something from this where I don't know what's coming. I'm really enjoying the show, but I think we're far enough into it to where I can say like miss marvel i think did it a lot better with these are new characters they're not necessarily exactly what you expect to have happen is what's going to happen and here kaylee is predicting everything and she has read absolutely no she hulk we have not seen charlie cox's daredevil yet i was hoping that was going to be this episode it's not so hopefully we'll get him next episode and Jen also calls up Bruce again. You don't put that scene in there unless Bruce is coming back, or or maybe you do. I don't know, but I think Bruce would be coming back maybe in the last episode or something like that. So I think we have at least two, if not three, with Wongers coming back cameos. So I think that will happen in like Daredevil in the next episode, and then you get like a convergence of all the cameos in the final episode as they're actually taking Jen's blood or trying to take Jen's blood, whoever it is. So I think we got still some development up to that. If that is indeed what the whole purpose of these nine episodes is, is to get Jen's blood. So I have a theory about that blood. It's been confirmed that we're getting Tim Blake Nelson back as the character that he played in the Ed Norton Hulk. I think that is going to be the last episode tie into the greater universe because we do know that he's coming back for something. And I don't know, that's 
my prediction. I would not mind being wrong, but at this point, just shrug. This show is the equivalent for, of cookies for me. It's fun. It's not particularly filling or good for you, but it's fun. Well, to that point, the leader is in charge of the intelligentsia in the comics. So that is not a bad guess. So the idea that we're going to see him in charge of everything, and then he's going to ultimately be the villain of the Captain America movie, that may be the lead-in. He wants the blood so that he can make his super soldiers, etc., etc. He wants his army of hulks so that he can control things, and that's where Sam, Cap, uh, and, and everyone, you know, those characters have to come in as well. Oh no, he's going to be the leader of the incels. We don't need Hulk incels. Yeah, we don't need any incels in general. Um, well, but, no. But, you know, I, I, I just wanted to say, by the way, that I absolutely agree with your point, uh, Lauren. In fact, it was one of the things I had in my show notes. This show can't decide whether it wants to be slice of life episodic or serialized. And the lack of commitment absolutely shows in this one. And hanging a lampshade on your detour misdirection uh, with Jen's fourth wall comment, like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, you weren't expecting a wedding episode? Well, these things happen. Like, that's lazy writing. And you pointing it out doesn't make it acceptable to me. Like, it's just, I'm not trying to ask for a lot from this show. Like to Lauren's point, it's cookies, but I want decent tasting cookies. I don't want cookies that you only threw in the oven for seven minutes and you're like, yeah, but it's a chocolate chip cookie. Like you should be grateful for it. Like this isn't, oh, bad pizza is still pizza. No, no. Sometimes bad pizza is just garbage. I'm from New Jersey. I'm a connoisseur. We have standards for pies. I have standards for cookies. I have standards when I watch my entertainment and this episode in particular really is giving me agita. Well, we did continue the theme of having family, one of Jen's family in every episode, because we got the Inchettable Hulk DJing the wedding. That is a continuation of the theme. At least they have something, right? And unfortunately, we had no poster mid-credit scenes or anything for the second episode in a row. I feel like they kind of teased us with the first four episodes of having those. And then now we don't, it's like, I miss it. I, I want my chocolate chip cookie, no matter how much it tastes good or bad. I want my pizza. I want it no matter how it tastes, but we haven't gotten it. So I kind of hope they bring it back next episode. I was entertained by this, but I was entertained because I was kind of watching it in the background as I was kind of resting after a day at the lake and that was it. It's, it's not meant to be mentally taxing, but at the same time, it is part of the MCU. So you're right. It should intersect with the MCU. I think Michelle, maybe I'm wrong, but I think you had some issues with the Loki series kind of different, but kind of the same. What do you feel about this series in relation to Loki? Where you had like plot issues with Loki as it was going on. Yes. I've had, you know, the plot issues with not just Loki, but with a lot of the other series. Um, 
longtime listeners know I have the what's going on sort of deal. It was Falcon and Winter Soldier started, you know, like what like it went this direction and for three episodes it was about Zemo and the power broker, then it was about this over here. Loki and it was just like exactly what's going on and when we got to it and then it ended abruptly we all agreed that ending was just not that great at first like miss marvel basically got got it right i knew what was going on that was great storytelling at first miss um first she hulk was i was kind of liking the quirky superhero Kind of slice of life, kind of bringing in Alec McBeal sort of things. But with these past two, I, I actually defended last episode. This episode is difficult for me to defend. I don't know if it was just a way for them to like, we want, we want to bring in the, we want to start to bring in the bad guy, the real bad guy, the bad guy, the video game boss, behind the video game boss, behind the video game boss. and. We wanted to Jen to kind of have a boyfriend and we wanted this website. It was just like, let's just have this together. And then we were, we want to tie up Titania in a way, which to me, that present wasn't even completely gift wrapped. So it really like, what were you tying up to me? It was not tying. It wasn't tied to begin with. And this really is the big, biggest pothole. This show, this show is really, this is the one where it's like hiccup and it's just like, boy, these, it's got like three episodes left. Please stick the landing. She does start out by saying this is a bottle episode. It's a wedding episode. It's a bottle episode, which it kind of wasn't because you had the stuff still going on back at the, the law firm. But Chris, you've been our barometer as the fourth wall breaking this entire time. What did you think about the fourth wall breaks in this episode? I was a fan of this one. Um, when you're going to have... I consider this one more of a beach episode from anime type stuff. Because it's just people off doing things that mostly aren't going to have any relevance to the plot. And we'll see if that ends up being true later. But for now, this is just a beach episode. and. Yeah, I can see Anthony's point of this one kind of has no place and nobody plans a wedding like this one and has it be a surprise. Even if it's an inconvenient timing, you know when it's coming. But I'd like to the nod to it right at the beginning of, yeah, this is kind of sucky timing. Deal with it. I didn't have an issue with the fourth wall breaking in this episode, I think it was appropriately done. I think it guided the viewer and I think it was fine. I think they're doing fine with the fourth wall break. It's not as comedic as the other times as it has been, but I don't know. Maybe this is a result of this being a different director and a writer team than we've seen in any other episode. I'm not going to blame the creative team. It's just a separate team that's, done the bulk so there were six bulk episodes done by the director and the main writer for the show and this was not one of them so i don't know maybe that has something to do with it all right i think we're at the point of final thoughts lauren you want to go first there was it's like there's a bunch of little things that i liked that didn't quite gel together like 
I've talked before, I really liked Tatiana's performance. I liked Mallory and Nikki hanging out. The spouses was funny. I did like that the male former spouse was not played as, oh, haha, it's a gay joke. It was, no, this guy spent money on a mausoleum and a New Orleans jazz funeral. And that's the joke. The whole intelligentsia thing uh, basically being just all the worst parts of the internet that currently exist and or have been run off. Uh, but again, it's it needs to decide whether it wants to be the episodic show or whether it wants to be the ongoing story show because the way they're doing it right now is, like we mentioned, very wishy-washy. You can absolutely create a fun show and you can have characters that have fun without making fun of the characters or disrespecting who they are, particularly if you have source material. I know it's a very common thing these days to kind of take the piss out of comic books and, and the source material, etc. But when you have solid stories and solid characters, use that. Mine that for good. You can tweak it and you can change it lovingly in a certain way. But when you just slap a name on a, when you slap an existing name on an existing character or an existing name on a new character just to make fun of them and turn them into the butt of a joke for an episode. It just, it speaks to me of disrespect and I'm just not thrilled with how they did Mr. Mortal in this episode. And I second basically everything that, uh, that Lauren was saying. I, I concur with her, her brief. <laughs> I, I concur with her, uh, you know, with her opinion. Again, the Titania stuff was too short. I want to move on to the other wedding faux pas. Here's the thing. You have a destination wedding. And it seems as though the uh, invitation Jen got was very last minute. That's also a faux pas. And maybe one of the other bridesmaids or maybe the dog was a sudden thing. Who knows? So you have a destination wedding and then you have a cash bar at said destination wedding don't have a cash bar if you're going to have a reception you have a reception you just don't have that alcohol there if you can't afford alcohol at the reception then just don't have it if you can't afford certain things just have what you can afford if people don't like it people can leave and then your reception is shorter and you can get to the honeymoon quicker no no just no cash bar. No cash bar. No. Did we even meet the groom? I mean, I think we saw him, but did we meet him? No. No. He was meaningless. <laughs> okay. And we see in the end credits that Lulu was making out with Chad. <laughs> yeah. At the wedding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not going to last long at all. Yep. The Inchitable Hulk. The Hollywood wedding. Disney is kind of bringing the hammer down in a lot of ways lately. Lauren will stop saying, and I will stop agreeing with Lauren, that they're having trans issues in this show being brought to the forefront when they stop happening. And I hope that they don't. 
because that's something that this show, because of She-Hulk being who she is, is pretty well equipped to take care of. You have the whole intelligentsia thing with everything that is wrong with so many parts of the internet going out and targeting people for stupid reasons. And I don't want them to waste this because I mean, you've got it all here. You've got a little bit of it in other MCU stuff. You've got it in Andor pretty heavily, especially in that third episode. Go watch that if you haven't, because that's a whole minefield in itself. But I think that this could be a I think that this could be a way for Disney to and Marvel to just kind of put a stamp on where they stand on things in greater society. All right, I got two things to close out with. Uh, first of all, Lulu's not getting her deposit back for the wedding destination. Uh, the damage that's done to the patio, that's you know way more than a deposit's ever going to be. You ever put in a paper patio? Those things are expensive. So yeah, to repair it, it's going to cost some cash, probably more than her deposit. So that's it. And then second of all, Michelle, you know that window company that we started up over in Starling Tribune? It got some workout in this episode with Mr. Immortal going out the window. Any superhero show needs to have a window company assigned to it that just it's going to make bucks because you're going to have windows that are smashed. It's a national chain now. <laughs> what kind of lead time are y'all on right now, though? We make exceptions for superhero stuff because, well, okay. they need it done in eight days if it's a TV show. Okay. All right. So next time we're going to talk about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Season 1, Episode 7. We're going to be doing that Saturday coming up. Uh, what is that? October 1st? Or Yeah, October 1st at 10 o'clock a.m. It's going to be a normal episode. We're going to have some news. We're going to have some feedback in it. And we'll be back on track then. Looking forward to it. In the meantime, Michelle, after this episode, I only think there's one thing to do. Oh, we need to grab the wedding cake and head on out. Anthony, I want to thank you again for joining us and giving us all of your expertise and your insights, both legally and with comics. So thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, happy to see the Capes in the Couch logo now officially as part of the Gunna Geek Network uh, pre-roll on this show. Very excited to formally announce something that uh, we've known for a while. Uh, as of you know, a couple days ago, at least, we formally made the announcement. Um, looking forward to working with uh, and, and cross-promoting all the, the fantastic shows on the network. You know, whether it's it's uh, Chris and Play Comics, I know I'm, I'll be scheduling an appearance, and, and my co-host Doc will be on there soon. And Lauren just did an amazing voice for us uh, as Sue Storm that's going to be coming up in our Season 8 premiere. So already getting a lot of that wonderful Gunna Geek synergy going. Yep. And if you want to talk more about Capes on the Couch, you can join us on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord and talk to Anthony until your heart's content about Capes on the Couch. It will be exciting and we're excited to do more collaborations with Anthony and Capes on the Couch into the future. And that's where people can find you, right? When you're not here, you're there. 
Yep, capesonthecouch.com and uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Capes on the Couch. I'd like to thank the other co-hosts for putting up with me. <laughs> and I would like to thank everybody who listens. We hope that you have as good of a time listening as we have talking. Yes, thank you to everyone who engages with us, listens to our content. We appreciate you. And you can find me on Twitter at Shell underscore game. Every time that we get to come here and talk to y'all about these shows that we love, or in some cases, Iron Fist, that we didn't love, it's a fun time, no matter what. And if you want to hear me having a fun time in other places, you know, you can head on over to playcomics.com, where as we're recording this, the newest episode is me talking about Destiny of an Emperor with Joey from So Wizard and... The most amazing thing about that episode was that I finally learned how to spell emperor. Is it E-O-E-R-O-R or is it O-R-E-R? It is E-R-O-R. All right. It's for our friends at home. All right. That's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm Special Counsel Anthony. All right. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This episode is adjourned. What kind of candy nuts? Were they M&Ms? Were they M&Ms? Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. So, Anthony, what Mallory did, is that not so much maybe to get disbarred, but like, I don't know, do you get like warnings before you get disbarred or? Well, it honestly all depends on what Mr. Mortal does. He can absolutely file a grievance with the ethics board and claim that he was perhaps coerced into a settlement that he wasn't comfortable with that his counsel did not adequately represent him. And he can, he can definitely, he would have to ironically hire another attorney, but he would have to file a claim with the ethics board and claim that he was forced into a settlement that he was not comfortable with because of unethical actions by counsel and competent counsel, however it is that he wants to describe it. It's then on the ethics board to begin their investigation. They would have to do an internal check at JLK and H. I'm sure that a firm of that size absolutely has attorneys that are solely devoted to basically being like, it's the, the legal equivalent of internal affairs to investigate that kind of situation. They would have to be. Well, there, there's a lot going on there, but then the ethics board at that point would 
make their determination as to what, if any, sanctions would be levied against, you know, Mallory and Nikki. I would say, frankly, you could make an argument that Nikki was doing the improper practice of law because she was the one really who was taking the the point on that. And she's not an attorney. She's a paralegal. So, and that's something I didn't even get into in the episode is that is an improper practice of law by a paralegal that your role as the paralegal is to follow the lead of the attorney and to only perform certain tasks. And what Nikki was doing would fall, I would argue, well outside the range or realm of what would be considered acceptable conduct by a paralegal. So yeah, that's unauthorized practice of law. So Nikki is in huge trouble and Mallory's in huge trouble for sitting by and let Nikki take charge of that, even if she ultimately signs off on it. Now, if Nikki was a trained and I guess certified mediator, that would be one thing, but I'm guessing you can't be both a mediator and a paralegal in the same proceeding. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. If she's a mediator, then it would have to be neutral. That would have to be agreed upon. And and it was clearly not, I've, I've took mediation training. I am, I, I haven't stayed up on my certifications, whatever, but I did take mediation training and you have to be, you have to make it clear to all parties that you are neutral and that your responsibility is not really even to lead the discussion. It is to take what this person says and that person says and coalesce it into everything and then say, is all of this acceptable with the cooperation of all parties and their counsel, which again was lacking in this episode. All the ex-wives and the ex-husband had no counsel. There was no other attorney present, just Mallory and Nikki. And so that, to me, right off the bat, is screaming, that's a problem. So there's a lot of wrong with this episode. I'm willing to let some other stuff slide, you know, for artistic license, whatever. But this, I was like, no, no. You just straight up came up with just so, you know, the two of them could could have, oh, we're going to stick it to him. Ha ha ha. You sit down and shut up, man. The women are going to run this. I'm like... And I say this as a man, you know, like I understand this is the show is by women. It's, it's for women. I am not the target audience, but at least get it close to accurate. What I feel like they were doing with that, I keep, okay. So with my group of friends, I always joke around that I am the emotional support extrovert. And I think we're supposed, this was supposed to be building up Nikki as the company's emotional support extrovert because she's the one they show her being very good with people. But I don't think that was the right way to do it. Maybe. Yeah. They were definitely trying to build the banter and the relationship between Nikki and Mallory and boost Nikki's, you know, standing as a supporting character. But if you can't do that when she's with Jen, like you had five episodes to do that. Now you're just trying to shoehorn this in. I just the entire the entire B plot of this episode sucked. The A plot was, you know, was a swerve. The B plot was just should not have been there. And the only thing was, you know, we see the intelligentsia and then Nikki saying, Oh, Jen, these people want to kill you. Like that was it. Everything else was fondant on a do you know what might have pulled it out was that you either bring in Marcy and or, and I'm thinking and Foggy into this situation as representing the women. That would have been fine. 
I would have been perfectly okay with somebody from Murdoch and Nelson showing up or Nelson and Murdoch showing up and saying, Hey, we're going to represent the other people. And maybe that's where, you know, Mac comes in, et cetera. The whole, you know, I'm a, I'm a very good lawyer. No, you're not. I was thinking in terms of you, better. you would save Matt for when Jen is able to be there. And so you'd want to bring in some other lawyers. And the only two I could think of from that was Marcy and Foggy. But yeah, no, and, and that's fine. And I get it. You want to bring in Matt A for the, the synergy and everything and B because they are both attorneys. So I, I understand from a storytelling perspective, that's why you bring them in. And of course, the irony being that Matt's appearance in the show apparently has nothing to do with him being a lawyer and everything to do with him being Daredevil. You could but, have also brought in Jessica as the PI to unearth what he's been doing. Yeah, there are a number of ways you could have done this. But, you know, as as Jen said in one of the previous, like, this isn't going to be the cameo show. And this... I kind of took that as satire. It was going to be the cameo show. Because she... I think th- it would have worked. Yeah. I think that would have been better. Fair enough. I mean, but you really can't use Mr. Immortal here as the cameo because obviously it's not a character that anybody who's outside of the, you know, seven of us who have read the GLA uh, would even know. So, you know, like I said, it was just, there's was, was a lot missed potential. I'm just waiting for the Luke Cage cameo um, to go along with the needle, not being able to get through Jen's skin. I don't know if they bring Luke back for this. I think that's what the whole thing with Bruce is. And we still have the abomination in the show too. I don't know if they bring Tim back or not. I don't know. I hope it gets better. You and me and everybody else. I was entertained by it, but I recognize its faults. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.